0: Welcome to When I Was a Girl, where we honor the stories of survivors. On this episode, we feature part one of a three-part story of survival from child sexual abuse, domestic abuse, and sex trafficking. Delmarine Williams spent most of her upbringing in the rural parish of St. Mary, Jamaica, where she was raised by her grandmother before she passed away. Various unfortunate circumstances eventually led her to become homeless in her early teenage years. This heart-wrenching story will give listeners a clear picture of what sex trafficking in Jamaica can look like, including the range of circumstances that often lead to it. Delmarine's life story will amaze you as she proves that by the power of God, life transformation is indeed possible.
1: Hi, Delmarine. It's such a pleasure to have you on the When I Was a Girl podcast. Um, we're excited to to jump into your story and we know that um, there's going to be some life-changing things that we'll be hearing on this episode. So please, why don't you tell us about what your life was like when you were a girl?
2: Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here to talk about when I was a girl, um, and I can go as far back as when I was age eight, mm-hmm. That far back I can remember, um, growing up in St. Mary, um, De Bruyne Parish, um, of course. So the, the community was a farming community, a very close community where everybody knew everybody Um, We went to the same churches, went to the same schools, um, you know, so everybody know everybody. Um, And it was that age, it was at that age that I started to um, experience sexual abuse um, by family members. I said family members because it's more than one and also by a family friend.
1: Wow. And you were living with who at this time?
2: I was living with my grandmother and a myriad of cousins. It was so much cousins. I think it was about 12 of us. Wow. That was living there on a regular day. And during the summers, it could go up until about 16 because there are other um, cousins who were who was living in Kingston who would come into St. Mary. Because you know there's a tradition for Jamaicans to send their children out to the country. So other cousins my would buddies. come. Down. Yes they would come like up for holidays during the summer wow. so it, it could go up to about sixteen seventeen eighteen of us during that time in one house in one house and it was a small house um at one point it was just um three small bedrooms um and it got it got so so hard and so packed that they they decided to have um what we call a veranda. Mm-hmm. Um. Two. so it, it later became three bedrooms, three small rooms it's not like big rooms right. um, three small bedrooms and a veranda um, and we would all um, pack and, and cram in there it was like five or six persons to a bed so you can oh. just imagine how small it was and, and, and how packed it was definitely, I'm, well, I'm trying to imagine it <laughs> <laughs> And it was—it wasn't um, concrete. It wasn't a concrete structure. It was board structure. So it was board walls, um, board floors, and zinc roof. Wow, wow,
1: that must have been quite an experience.
2: It is. It was. um, It was the 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 structure still there. I still have relatives that live there um, still. But they transformed the, the veranda into a a, a kitchen um, No, So it's mm-hmm. three small bedrooms now and a kitchen. But then we didn't have inside um, kitchen. We didn't have indoor plumbing or anything of the sort. We had to go outside um, to use the toilet. We had to go outside to take a bath. The kitchen was also but, but growing up, we, I didn't know um, any different. Right. I didn't know any different because all the houses, um, certainly on my lane that I lived, was the same. Mm -hmm. It was just one house that was um, that was a concrete structure, and that was a house that we thought that this person was the richest person in the world at the time. Mm -hmm. She had a little little store. Um, Her kids were grown and they were in Kingston, and they would come down like every month and so forth. Okay. Um, and she had concrete. Well, even then, even so, um, she still had an outside um, toilet. She still had an outside bathroom. So I wasn't even sure if there was anything that was called indoor plumbing until later, way, way later, on in life. Right. So it was like norm. It was that not. It was the norm for us to get up and you know go go look after the chickens and go tie the goats and go get milk from the cows and go bring water from the standpipe, even though the standpipe was the only one in our community um, and it was on my lane. So it was just the norm to do these things. You didn't know that life existed um, in a better, better settings um, unless you were traveled or you had relatives in Kingston that would come and tell you these things. And, and even then, we didn't believe. We just thought some people would show up.
1: So here it is, you're, you you know, you're born and raised in this, in this very rural community and you're eight years old, you said, when you were first victimized. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're surrounded on a regular basis by a lot of family members, a lot of relatives. Um, And so at what point in time or how were you made to feel vulnerable at such a young age?
2: Well uh, my my like I mentioned before, I grew up with my my grandmother, and she was the the only adult um that was stable um in in my life at that time. I have an uncle who lived close by, but I would mostly see him um like during the night he would come and collect his dinner and just go back to his house, so he wasn't stable. Um, in in, in my life. My grandmother um, was the only stable person and my grandmother was a happy um, church goer. She was a missionary in the revival movement. Um, I was told that we used to attend a Pentecostal church um, earlier, but for whatever reason, my grandmother decided to take all of us um, and we were now going to a revival church where she was... um, ordained as a missionary. Okay. And so that would that would that would have her going out um to to church services in the night. And that when that was when that's how my abuse started. There was this um, man living in the community who he had an issue with his with his with his girlfriend at the time. They were having a fight. And I think the fight got um a bit violent and my grandmother stepped in to try and, and, and you know separate both of them. And my grandmother was saying to the, to the gentleman that, you know, he can come by our house if it is that he's at his house and he feels um, like he's going to fight or if he needs anything at all, he can come by our house. So he took that offer mm. to my grandmother and he started to come to our house. Um, quite often, a lot of persons um, had voiced their disapproval at first, but my grandmother said that it was innocent and based on the fact that my grandmother loved to help people we just thought it was another person who was going to be helped by my grandmother because it wasn't strange for my grandmother to take persons we had persons um staying with us all the time even though we were crammed in a small space we had persons staying with us we had persons coming for dinner so it wasn't strange to add another plate or to see another face but as time goes by He became more like family, you know, because he started to um, just to be there every day. Every day, he would be there every day from early morning till late night. He would be there. The only thing that he he didn't do at our house was sleep. Um, and sleep in it in terms of um spending a night. Right. He would be there till hours. And uh, it was on one of these occasions that my grandmother went to church that my grandmother. Ask him to to stay with us until she comes back, which was again normal for her to do. Um, and he asked me to to um to stay with him on the veranda because he was afraid. Mm. Um, and in him being afraid, he asked me to stay with him on the veranda, and that is where um he, he started to molest me. You know, he would just touch on my private parts and um you know, force my hand to touch him and to do all of that. So we're seeing where he, he's using his, I guess, his
1: power of authority and just kind of manipulating the mind of a child. I mean, telling you to, to come outside with him because he's scared. You know? <laughs> yes. Boy. And then you, you see how the, the trust of, of um, that young Mind that how your trust as a child then was taken advantage of because clearly they trusted him,
2: yes, yes,
1: right. And we know that this is how grooming starts in a lot of these cases. A lot of times, um, where uh, where children are abused, it's by trusting, Uh um, Uh either friends or family members,
2: yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean. You know, I didn't know what was happening. I I just knew that it it felt um wrong. Yeah. Um, but um I didn't know because I was not exposed to anything. Um, you know, we didn't have television, we didn't read a lot of books. Well, I used I love to read and I was introduced to reading by my grandfather who lived close by, he didn't live with us. I didn't even know that he was my grandfather until he died. Um but I could feel some attachment to him and you know I would always go by his house and he taught me how to read. But even in reading, we didn't have access to a lot of materials, the reading materials that we had was just the reading books that we would get at school from the government at that time. So it wasn't like we had libraries that we could go. I remember it was not the age of computers and all of that. So right. I didn't have a lot of um, exposure to know that what he was doing was wrong. And so it continued. I felt um, at one point that my grandmother knew what was happening, and um, didn't say anything. So, of course, it just reinforced to me that this was okay, even what at school. You,
1: what made you think that that um, that was probably the case?
2: Because even at school, even at school, there were other girls who I knew that it was happening to. They were they, they were being touched by probably not the same person, but other men in the community. Um, even my school principal at the time, it was rumored that he was touching other girls. Um, okay. I know that it was so. He, so, I, you know, when, when all of this is happening and like I said, you're not exposed to anything else, you think that this is the norm. right? Because I have cousins who were saying, oh, you know, he touched me too. And nothing was done. Nobody said anything. But for me, I just kind of knew that it was off. Mm. And then my auntie brought home this man from Kingston. My auntie used to sell in the market. I remember my E-E-E, my auntie um, was supposed to, came, to come home one night, and she didn't come, but she sent him. And when he came again, my grandmother sent me to sleep with this man because he, she didn't want him to sleep in the house by himself. Now, this was a separate house from, from our house. My grandmother said that she didn't want him to sleep alone at the house, so she sent me to 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 stay with him. At what age um, was this? You uh, were old? Uh, I was probably about oh my God, probably about nine or ten. Not sure of the age, but I was still in primary school. Oh boy, I was still in primary school, and. Uh, I remember that man just took advantage of that opportunity for the entire night. Know. For the entire night. While there was no penetration with his penis, but there were, you know, fingers and, and other stuff that he was doing. And again, even though I was sore when I woke up the other morning, I didn't think to tell anybody because it was normal. This is what people do. Yeah. I remember going to, I remember I, think I was going to my, up by my grandfather's house, and I, 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 I said it to him, I said, I, I mentioned the name of the person, the family friend, and I said it to him, and he said to me, when you get a chance to speak with your dad, tell your dad what is happening. He didn't tell me that it was wrong, either. He just told me to, you know, when In I get to talk far, to though. dad, just to tell daddy. And the thing with daddy is that he would come Come to send me from Kingston, like every two weeks or every three weeks, there about. Um, but when, he, when, when Daddy came, it wasn't. I didn't want to tell him because I was just so happy to see my father. Because even though I was going through sexual abuse, I was also going through physical abuse and emotional abuse. Because I was the only one. out of my cousins who did not have my my mother or my father present. You know, all my other cousins could see their parents every day or every other day. Even though they weren't living with them, I was the only one who did not see my parents. And so my cousins would tease me about this and tell me that I'm unwanted and all of that. So on top of the sexual abuse, there were other things going on. Mm-hmm. So when that would come, I didn't want to tell him all of that. I just wanted to be happy in the hour or the hour that he would spend. So I didn't really say anything. But I remember going to my mother for to spend about three weeks or so out of the summer or two weeks, whatever time it was. And when I got to my mother, there was an older cousin. Um, She was the niece of my stepfather. Um, And she would also molest me. But what she did, um, she told me not to tell anybody because we're not supposed to be doing this. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. I remember her saying that to me, don't tell anybody we shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. If you tell anybody, they're going to beat us. And because my mother is such a person who would beat you for anything, I decided I wasn't going to say anything. And furthermore, you know, it's something that has been happening to me and I haven't told anybody so far. So I'm right. going to tell anybody now. And oh boy. I remember after all of that, after the time passed that I went back to my grandmother, and I remember the family friend, he said to me, You know, you're just coming from your mom um, who touched you down there, who touched you by your mom. And I said, I repeated the name of the person. I repeated the name of the person who touched me. And he was upset. Really? He got so upset. And I remember um, he he told my grandmother that, um, you know, we needed to go and get firewoods because the firewoods. Um, we're going down, and he would be going. He would be going into another part of the parish, and he wouldn't come back for for, some, for several days. And he didn't want her to be out of firewood, so we needed to go and get firewood. Of course, my grandmother decided that that was a good idea, and because we didn't have um, gas stove or electric stove, we, like I mentioned, we cooked outside. So we would have to go into the bushes to gather fire sticks. And I remember, you know, he chose we wanted to come, of course. Of course. And of course, I was at the top of the list. And uh, he was so aggressive um, when we went into the woods. He was so aggressive. And looking back at it, no, he was just being jealous because somebody has touched me. And, you know, he told me not to do it again and that he loved me and I was his and never to let anybody do that again and you know if anybody do that to me again he's going to kill me that was when he started to threaten me was his first um threat and he was going to kill me was going to kill my grandfather he was going to kill my grandmother if I let anything like that happen again and then now my auntie's boyfriend now um he he hammed up his his attempts of course and he started to do it again but I later found out that both of them knew I found out that both of them knew that they were doing it to me, and I also found out that it was only being done done to me by both of them, but other family members as well. It was being done to. So
1: they were both guilty of doing yes. the same thing to other family members, other other young girls,
2: right? Right.
1: And and they both knew that they were both doing it. Yes. goodness Mm -hmm.
2: you know and so it continued it continued uh, up until age 12 because um and I remember just um like a few months before it stopped where my where the family friend is concerned one of my older cousins she had passed her common entrance it was at that time Mm -hmm. for high school and he because, it, like I said, it was a rural parish, so we didn't have a lot of cars, we didn't have transportation or anything of the sort. And my cousin had passed a couple of to go to a traditional high school in the parish and it would require her to take two vehicles to get to school. But from where we were living, she would have to walk miles to get a, a taxi. And mm-hmm. so he would be the one to follow her in the early mornings to get on a taxi to go to school. Okay, and I remember, she 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 gave she showed me a letter because I would wake up early in the mornings with her, you know, when she was getting ready to go to school. Of course, I would get her leftover tea and crackers, so I would wake up extra early with her in the morning, and she showed me a letter that he wrote, that you know she's now big and going to high school, and he she have um any boyfriend, and she allow any man to, to touch her. Um, he was going to kill her because he's the one who is taking her to school in the morning, and I, you know, I think to myself, "But well, that's the same thing that he told me. That's the same thing that he, he, he issued out to me." Right. But she, um, she she showed her mom. She showed her mom Firstly, She showed my grandmother the letter, and my grandmother said to her not to tell anybody to keep it as a secret. Not to tell anybody about it or anything, and I remember she telling her mom about the letter, and so my and her mom demanded that my grandmother show her the letter, yes. and so that is how they. But even then, even then, nothing was done to so, say, so, so, "All right, we do not let this man in, in in our space. Um, he's you know doing this thing to our kids." Yes, it was like. That they, they did nothing, basically. All my auntie did was just um, to st- tell my grandmother, um, don't make him come back here. That's, that was just that. It was nothing aggressive. It was not anything to say, listen, make sure this man don't come back because this is what is happening. He's threatened uh, my daughter. Right. And he's doing nothing. Or okay, It was okay, like team or
1: nothing. confront him. Nothing like that.
2: Nothing like that was done. Nothing uh, like that was done. Uh, and... Uh,
1: what do you think, looking back, um, it is that kind of allows some of our women to, to want to facilitate almost the, the protection of these men who are obviously guilty, they've, they've, they're obviously perpetrators, and they have evidently caused harm to children, harm to young girls. What, what do you, you think?
2: You know they- what? I had, a, I had a conversation recently with somebody from my community who was molested by my school principal, like I mentioned before. Mm. Um, And he was explaining to me the magnitude of what happened to her. And after having conversations with other persons, it goes down to basically what these perpetrators do for the most part is that they target single parent family. They target parents who are vulnerable so they would provide a certain a service for these, for these parents mm-hmm. who are sometimes unawares. Because for my family, the man would offer food. And because we were so poor, sometimes oh, my aunts, my, my dad, they didn't send money to my grandmother. And you can just imagine to feed so much kids right. every day. Um, so you can just imagine how stressed um, my grandmother was in terms of providing for us. Yeah. So what he would do, he would come and give her money. He would take food. Um, and he would, like I said, he was very, he was very helpful in terms of helping with the chores and so on. Right. So Getting the he, on do. Yes. Yeah. he would come and he would sweep up the yard. He would help to, to wash up the dishes he would help us to carry water from the pipe. And there are some times that we didn't have water in the pipe and we had to go further into mm-hmm. the community to uh, a tank that was there. It's not anything like the tanks that we have. No, it was more like a well and they kind of put some concrete over it and so on. Gotcha. But he would do that. He would do that. And so mm-hmm. he was looking, I think my grandmother was looking at the point that if this man um, stops coming here, then we we'll certainly go and die for hunger. And that is why I said I I felt that she knew what was happening, but because he was providing in some way for us yeah. then she didn't want to do that. And a lot of the persons who I, who I speak with um in terms of um this old sexual molestation is the fact that, you know, he's the breadwinner of the family. Because sometimes his stepfather molesting stepdaughters, even fathers molesting daughters as well. And right. and it's because oh, he's the breadwinner. Is the one that is paying the bills is the one that is taking care of us, you know, some, 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 something like that. Why they, they don't want to expose these men because they're saying if, if I expose him and he goes to prison, then this is going to stop. Yeah, the health is going to stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fear, too. Mm-hmm. They, they allow it to continue,
1: right? And at the end of the day, the child. Is the one who suffers the most, always,
2: always. always, always. So then, I, mean, I, I know, when you look back, yeah, I just one I had before we move on. Sure, that when it, in most of these cases, when you look back, the mother also was, was sexually molested, yeah, and and so because nothing was done to her. Because I remember speaking to a young lady, a, a younger, she was 14, and she was acting out, and I was speaking to her, and when I when I um, got the chance to speak to her mother her mother was saying but it happened to me and it's a little sex and it never kill me so it never kill you so what what is the big deal so you find out you find out that these things happen to and it's for generations coming down for generations and nothing is done right so
1: because it happened to them it's almost like there's nothing wrong with it it's right it's a norm. Right. so sad yeah well, I know that at, at, at points in your upbringing, you would travel to Kingston. Um, right. We mentioned when you would go to visit your mom as well. And then, of course, there was the various forms of abuse that happened there as well. Mm-hmm. But what would happen? What about the times that you, you went to Kingston and visited your father?
2: Uh, you know, I don't remember. I think it was only one time that I came into Kingston for, for holidays and then would go back. To set me, and that time, at that time, it was good. I didn't have anybody to trouble me or anything. It was just my dad and myself. And when he went to work, he would leave me with his landlord, and that was fine. And I would come back to the same way That was okay. But it happened um, that I would eventually live with my dad. Um, I had passed my my common entrance as well, mm-hmm. and placed in the same school as my cousin.
1: Right, so this is now
2: going into high school. Yes, this is age um, 12, 13 coming up. Okay. And uh, I passed my my common entrance and was looking forward to going to high school, the whole high school experience and everything. Mm -hmm. But my dad was getting married. And so he came to get me in St. Mary with the promise to my grandmother that after the wedding, you know, because it was in July, so it was summer holidays. Oh, okay. So after the wedding and the holidays that I would come back to her and they could start my preparation for me to go to high school. But that didn't happen. Um, the wedding itself was very traumatic for me because I hated my stepmother from day one. Didn't like her. It was just something to me that was awful about this woman. I thought she was taking away my father from me and just the whole trauma of that. So for the entire wedding, I ate nothing. I did nothing but cry. The entire wedding, for days after the wedding, for days leading up to the wedding, I was crying. Mm. So you know that in itself was very traumatic as well. And then I found out that I was not going back to St Mary, which made it even worse, which made it even worse because I was not used to Kingston, I didn't want to live in Kingston. I wanted to go back to St Mary, even though I was abused and all of that, I wanted to go back to where I what I knew. And what I knew was my grandmother and my grandfather and my cousins. That was what I knew. That's what I wanted to go back to. But my daddy said not. So, um, I'm his only child and he's getting married now. He has a woman that can take care of me, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And uh, I didn't like it one bit. I didn't like it one bit. Um... So it was no time to register for school and they got me into a school that I thought was the worst school that they that they could ever got me into at that time because it was in the ghetto and I heard about this place on the news and how much people dead and I just I just heard a lot of bad things about this community and I did not want to go to that school. They got me in that school because my cousin, my older cousin, one of my older cousins by my father's side teaches at the school okay. and so she got me in the school. And the irony is that the same September that I would start is the same September that she would leave. Oh, wow. Her last, her last teaching was in, in June. She was now leaving the teaching profession and moving on to something else. So I didn't have anybody at that school. And uh, let me tell you, when... Uh, that September morning, I didn't even start school like the first week of September because they had spent so much money on a big wedding that they didn't have any money for me for school. I didn't have a proper school bag, they didn't have a proper school shoes. I just just looked awful going to school because one other thing I had I had thick hair, mm-hmm. beautiful, nice, thick, long hair. So I remember the first morning stepping into high school now, and everybody was laughing at me like I said it wasn't the first week. Of, of september i think it was about the third week i was oh, going to school
1: Oh, that's a late starting to school especially <laughs> late
2: school time. Week, late because okay. mm-hmm. they spent all this money on the wedding and didn't think to leave anything over for me to go to school right and so i didn't have a proper bag like i can mention didn't have a proper shoes never proper anything and uh, I remember everybody was just looking at me and laughing. They weren't laughing, out well, loud, but you could tell that they were were laughing and stuff. Yeah. I didn't know what because when I looked at my hair, my stepmother tried to pull my hair and it was off. The parts were lean, and you know I was going through puberty at that time, and I have severe acne, even though I still have acne issues, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just a lot of bumps in my face. My uniform was, it's not like nowhere, you know, it's cool to wear long uniforms at that time. Long uniform wasn't the thing. My uniform was extra long and I had this bag, um, like, like a handbag sort of a thing. It was made of cloth. It it was made of cloth and it wasn't, it wasn't cool, you know. (laughs) And the children, they just mocked me. They mocked me. They called me all sorts of names. I wasn't being looked after properly in terms of my hygiene, so I smelled funny. So here was this big forehead, bump up face, smelling kid in high school. My God, what a combination. <laughs> but it was awful. It was awful. My, my, experience, my experience in high school wasn't good at all. And on top of that, we, my father was given notice to leave from the house that he was living so they were now looking for another house because apparently the landlord was upset that I was living there. So oh. in order to appease the landlord, my dad sent me to live with that older cousin who got me in the school, that older cousin that was the teacher. Right. Um, my dad sent me to live with her. And that oh. experience was good and bad. Good in the sense that she started to take care of me somewhat. Um, my, my hair was not combed properly. I remember going to school the morning, the first morning when my hair was all um, cane rolled and looking nice. And when I stepped in the class, everybody started to clap. What? I got, <laughs> I got a certificate too for most improved students just oh. because of my hair started to, to look properly. So she would right. comb my hair, of course, she would make sure that I, was, I took a bath and that you know, I smelled properly and so on. But There was just something that was off. Of course, her husband was there, and I didn't trust him. I didn't trust men. I did not trust men. Um, But leading up to that, I remember we had what what was called guidance and counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, in school, and I remember because it didn't start in the first couple of weeks that I was you know in first form. It didn't start till the first couple of weeks. This was about. Um, late October, early November of the first school year that we were having this class for the first time. Okay. Because I remember them telling us that we were going to have this class, but they had to shift some stuff on the timetable to make time for it and whatnot. So when, this, when the guidance counselor came, she wrote on the board, sexual abuse. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, sexual abuse, something new, all right. All right. And up to that point, I loved the learning. So it was, it was fun for me to learn anything new. Right, but when she started to explain what sexual abuse was or is, and what happened, and the touches, and so on, it was like I was having an auto body experience. I was sitting in, in my seat, I remember that quite well. I was sitting in my seat, but um, it was as if bells were going off in my head. It was, I don't even know how to explain it. I was having an of body experience because it, I now knew. Yes. that everything that I went through up to that point, every touch, every feel, every, mm. everything was wrong and that I should have been protected and that my grandmother and everybody who knew about it should have done something and nobody did anything. And I, I don't even know how I started to run. I just run out of the class. I run off the block. And I was running I, I didn't even know where I was running to or what I was doing. I was just running because I just wanted to escape everything. Of course. And I remember it's, like, some... mm-hmm.
1: it's like a flood of just all the memories. And, and finally now you're able to put a name to what was happening to you. And that name was sexual abuse.
2: Right. I I, I couldn't even cry because, like I said, I don't know what was happening to me. It was like I was watching myself, um, having a reaction to what what the teacher was saying. And I remember some boys were on the play field and I was just running and I um, I remember her, I remember my teacher, because she ran out after me and some other teachers and um, she asked them to catch me. It was the worst thing that she could have done. Because you're asking boys now to to touch me. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember fighting off those boys. I remember fighting them off. I remember fighting off everybody. It was just, it was just awful. I still don't have a full memory of what happened that day. Mm. But I remember I remember when I got home to my cousin because they had called her, um, she was working close by.: Yes. And they had called her, and she came for me. And when I got home, she took me to her workplace and I think I stayed in the car for the entire time. When I got home, you know, she made sure I went to the bathroom and stuff. And but what she did wrong, well, I think what she did wrong was to tell her husband what had happened without speaking to me first. Didn't mm-hmm. want to have anything to do with any male. Maybe. Nothing at all. And you know, and then
1: this is very helpful that you're sharing this because if anybody is listening, and they know of anyone, any any female who has gone through sexual abuse or male, right, young or, or young female or male person who has gone through sexual abuse, you want to be sensitive of the fact that um, that person wouldn't want to be in contact with any kind of reminder of what right. happened to them, especially if they have not had any kind of intervention as yet. So it's it's very important mm-hmm. to be sensitive about that. Because in your case, as you're saying, you didn't want to be touched by any any male figure or for your 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 life so to speak to be exposed
0: like that.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I guess um she was just um Looking back I can understand why she why she would have um said something to him.
0: Because okay. one,
2: you know, he was her husband and mm-hmm. uh, you know, the fact that she had to come get me from school before before it was time, and two, um, he was a he was a policeman. So mm-hmm. I could I could understand why she would have said something to him. But in that moment I didn't understand. And so I became afraid of him because I'm saying now that he knows maybe he's going to start to do the same thing. And so I I just knew that I had to get out of this life. I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want to, you know, I just didn't want to be here. Hmm. And so I I loved to journal. I didn't know that it was journaling at that time, but I just used to write down my thoughts and stuff on paper and books and whatever. And Hmm. I think I wrote that I was going to kill myself in a book. And my cousin found it and she, when she found it, she, you know, she was sad and all of that. Mm. And she told my, she, she told my dad that I had written it. She showed my dad actually the book. I didn't know what that, this was like years after that I'm learning that she found the book and whatever. And she showed my dad and so she was saying that, you know, she don't want it to happen on her watch um, the fact that her husband was a cop, she didn't want me to use his gun to kill myself. I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking about taking some pills. I didn't even know that I could use the gun to kill myself or anything, which just to show you how innocent I was. Oh. And so my dad asked her to just hold on a bit. They're getting some other house in, in, in Portmore, and that's what they did. Now, but, was your
1: father made aware of what happened at school when you ran away and, and all of that? I'm
2: I i I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they knew. Um, mm-hmm. I am thinking that my cousin probably would have said something to my stepmother because my stepmother was also now working at the same place that my cousin was working. She probably mm-hmm. had said something to my stepmother, but because of the relationship with my stepmother and myself, she, if she knew she did not say anything to my dad because daddy did not say anything to me. Okay. Wow. But not, nobody said anything to me about it. Hmm. And so I came now to live with daddy. They got this place in Portmore and I'm now in grade, I'm second form at this time. Things are a little bit better. I've made a few friends. Um, things are a little bit better. Right. But um, when we got to Portmore to live, there was this man who was unable neighbor, leave a few doors. Anybody who knows put my houses know how close, close their heart um, together. He lived a few houses down from us. And uh, I remember one day he mentioned the name of my school as I was going. I said, oh, you're going to so-and-so. And I said, yes. And he's like, I pass there every day. You know? I can't take you in the morning when you're going to school. It's not a problem. I leave out early. You would reach your school on time. Blah, blah, blah. He told that to my stepmother, and she agreed because they were always in a financial um. Trouble. They always have financial issues. So there was never enough money for me to go to school. So when she heard that I could get a ride with this person, she was glad. Two mornings, so that would few
1: that they wouldn't have to worry about taking care of your right. transfer to school.
2: Right. Okay. So the first um, couple of mornings, nothing happened. You know, it was a good ride. We talked and all of that. You know, whatever conversation you can have with a 14 year old girl, you're an older man. And it mm-hmm. was good for the first couple of mornings. And then now, um, innocently, I thought he started to put his hand on my leg because it was just both of us in the car. So, of course, he would not allow me to sit in the back. I would sit in the front seat with him. You know, he started to touch my leg and he started to tell me, you know, how good I looked and I'm a nice girl. And oh, of course, um, of course, of doing that, he was just trying to get me to like him to the point you now where he can start also. Um, sexually abusing me and this would take place in the car on my way to school and because I did not have enough lunch money sometimes I didn't have any lunch money at all he would touch me and then he would give me money and because of the whole thing at school with the children teasing me even though I had like about two or three friends now they were also telling me that you know, you still need to to to, to do this. your hair. My dad would not allow me to cream my hair or to straighten my hair because we were Christians in the Apostolic Faith, and naturally it was the thing to go. So, and they would not give me money to buy gel at that time. Styling gel was the thing. They would not give me money to buy styling gel to fix my hair and of course i could not use money from my lunch money to buy it because there wasn't enough lunch money at that time mm-hmm. sometimes it was like 30 dollars to go into school 40 dollars and you know five dollars to on the bus to go five dollars to come home so you left with like 20 dollars what 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 can that buy sometimes it was 50 dollars whatever mm-hmm. and so this man when he started to touch me he would give me like 200 dollars, 300 dollars and he would say to me, say, you know, um, make sure you use all of this at school. You know, don't worry about it. You'll get more tomorrow. Don't carry home any. Don't tell anybody about this. This is our special arrangement. You no, know, I knew that was wrong because my guidance counselor had explained everything to me in first form. Right. I was thinking to myself, if he's giving me money, no, I can buy lunch at school. I don't have to sit and beg. I don't have to go in the bathroom to pass lunchtime. I don't have to go in the guidance counselor's office to pass lunchtime. I don't have to go into another class to sit down to pass lunchtime. I can go to the canteen and buy box lunch, and I can buy box drinks, and I can, just like my other friends were doing. And so they started to talk about, my friends started to talk about them having boyfriends and what they would do up until this point. I was technically still a virgin. I was not penetrated. by, by a penis, even though I was touched and fondled. Up until that yeah. point, I was technically still a virgin. But then we just talk about what they would do with their boyfriends and how their parents would allow them to go out. And Looking back at it you now, it, it was all lies. <laughs> they were just telling stories. But because oh, I really? wanted to be... Yes, because oh, there is no way, there is no way that a mother would send out her daughter to spend a weekend at an hotel with some man um, at that age. And, you know, the whole community knew and they were planning to get married and all of that. It was just stories. Oh, okay. While there may be some truth to some of the sexual molestations, there were right. a lot of exaggerated stories. And because I so wanted to fit in, of course, I had my own stories. And <laughs> I would tell them, you know, I have a boyfriend and this and that. But I would not tell them that this man was so much older than I was. And uh, they were talking about sexual experience and how good it was and what happened and and roses and and strawberry and all of these things and I wanted that too. Right. But my first sexual experience wasn't anything like that. It was it was technically rape that I went through. It was technically and rape. A bunch of guys in a house watching blue movie, um, watching porn, and uh, it happened. You know, I wish I could take back that day. But it wasn't it wasn't anything like my friend had um exaggerated and, and, and spoke about and of course I could not wait to go back to school and tell them of what happened and how nice it was understand that all lies. So So that have that incident that you
1: that you just described hap- that that was like a case of you being at the wrong place at the wrong time? Or was that? Um, was um, that-
2: I, I, and I would not blame anybody. And I would not even blame the guy that did it, even though he, he was older than I am. Mm-hmm. I put myself in that position. I lied to my parents. I was supposed to be at church. And I told mm-hmm. my dad that I had an headache because I wanted to go by the, the house, the guy's house. It mm-hmm. told me that he was going to be there by himself. But when I got there, there were some other guys there, and I, looking back, I know that the other guys knew what was going to happen because as soon as I went there, um, everybody left. Or so okay. I thought. I thought they they had left, but um, a few days after, I learned that everybody saw what happened because they were looking through a window, and of course, I had to deal with that trauma as well. Wow. Oh, the man that was taking me to the school, he heard of the thing because this was right in the little area that we live. He heard of what happened and uh, decided that he wasn't going to take me to school anymore. He wasn't going to give me any more money because I violated his trust. Mm -hmm. Um, Imagine uh, that He was upset and the whole story. So he told my stepmother that based on what happened, he didn't want to take me to school because he didn't want anybody to say anything and whatever, whatever. But I knew that wasn't the case he told me what 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 it was you know the, and, sad,
1: and part, the sad thing about what you're sharing here to you know that marine is just how um you know one experience after the other after the other and it's it just kind of continued without there being any sort of intervention because you know everything was happening in secret
2: mm-hmm. in a and, and and remember too That it was not only the sexual abuse for me, there were other forms of abuse going on. Because, you know, the old stepmother, stepdaughter situation, I did not get along with my stepmother at all. So much to the point that I wanted to kill her. I tried even to kill her. I was going to poison her. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I talk about it every day and I just thank God that it went like how it went. I tried to poison her and she Mm -hmm. just had enough of it and so she told my dad to choose between me and her and my dad chose her and so they decided that I was going to live with my mother because by this time oh. my grandmother died so mm-hmm. I went through that trauma as well losing my grandmother the only person the only parent figure that I knew and even though I went through so much with my grandmother I love her to bit yes. I, loved her. I didn't want anything to happen to her And I just missed her. And then she she got sick. You know, Mm. it was just awful. Mm -hmm. Oh, she didn't die at that time. It was at the time that after they sent me back to live with my mother, my grandmother got sick. And it was during that time that she died, which made everything worse. Because I've never lived with my mother before. Out of going to spend two or three weeks with her, uh, probably the other year, I've never lived with her. And uh, so coming back into St. Mary, I'm coming back from Kingston now, coming into St. Mary, First thing that my my um uh, my mother did was straighten my hair, which I thank God for. She was <laughs> into, into combing all of that, so right. she straightened my hair, and she didn't even get me to high school. I was going to a junior high school, so this is grade nine now. Okay, and, uh, so she was like, and I hated my stepfather. This man has never was done it? anything for me to was hate it, him, but I just hated man.
1: Oh, I was going to ask if it was the same person. No, well, sorry, scratch that, because the, the, the abuse that happened at your mother's house was not by a man. No, it, it was, was a female. It was, right, it was someone who was a female. Right, so... And
2: by this time, too, by this time, the same female, um, it was rumored now that she was a lesbian and living with a woman... And their family found out, and so they kind of disbanded her and and threw her out of the house. So she was now living in another parish with this girl. Oh, okay. Right. Wow. So... You know, going to live with my mom was very traumatic. I mean, every experience after one after the other, one after the other was just so traumatic. And you would think for a girl, getting the chance to live with your mother would excite you. You know, you have other siblings and so, but it wasn't so for mm-hmm. me. My mother, my mother, I I just felt that my mother hated me because of how she treated me. Mm-hmm. Other things that would say, no, um, I have hormone um, issues. My mother doesn't know about this because... She was not actively in my life. So I got my first um, menstruation at the age of nine. That was when I first oh my I had my menstruation. I didn't come back again until I was about thirteen. So I've, I had issues. And okay. I remember two months after living with my mother, she didn't come to me as a mom to say, um, have you started to menstruate? You're at the age. Certainly I'm at the age. Mm-hmm. You haven't asked for money to buy any sanitary napkin. What is happening? None of that happened. She straight out just cussed me out, called me all sorts of names. Why? Telling me that if, if I am pregnant, cause young in a period, and oh, if I breeding breed, what is what? going to happen? And again, what what made everything worse was that she spoke to my stepfather about it. She mm. didn't talk to me. She my stepfather mm-hmm. came in and she was like, you in a period, from when you know, and I'm like, who does that? Who does that? You know. Mm. So what mm-hmm. I had to do, <laughs> what I had to do, because I knew that I wasn't pregnant because I was not sexually active. I just had sex that one time. Right. And what I had to do, I had to ask her for sanitary. I didn't ask her. I knew where she kept hers. And so I, went, I waited until she was at work. And I knew where she was near coming home. I mm-hmm. took one. Um, I put some browning, oh. table browning that we use in the kitchen. Right. I put some browning on it. and when she came and I pulled it up back to my vagina was a big mistake because it burned. I mm-hmm. When she came home, I said to her, I, my period came, Lad, she didn't even believe. But knowing my mother that she wanted evidence, I had to do that. So of course, again, it, we didn't have indoor plumbing and and nothing like that. My stepdad was in the yard. He was fixing his bike. And she didn't even say, show me in the house. Right outside, she said, draw down, down your panty and let me see. Oh. And I was like, mom, my stepfather is right there. I didn't say it to her, but I looked at her like, you know, what are you doing? And she said, say if it dry, you know. And I did. And she said, Oh, you're yeah, okay. like, lucky. So, Delmarine, oh you, you, had, you had sisters as well? Did, did your, did your yeah, mom had, have other daughters? Yeah, I had my sister that follows me. She wasn't living with us, she was living in another parish. She was, wasn't living there, but I, I had two other sisters, younger. Um, Way way younger than I was, because I'm the older one.
1: Okay, okay. But you're saying the way she she treated you in comparison to even your other sisters, your other siblings, um, uh-huh. it, it was clear. I just knew that
2: something was off. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But during I, I lived with my mother for one year, and during the course of that year, I would knew exactly why she hated me in her mind, because she got pregnant with me when she was young, sixteen. She said that I was the one who stopped her from becoming what she wanted to become. She wanted to become a teacher at one point. At one point, she wanted to become a nurse. Um, mm. And so, because she got pregnant with me, all of that stopped. And so, I was blamed. I was blamed for all of that. So, you say you were leaving for,
0: yeah,
2: for a one, year. I was for one year. But it got worse because I was now the Cinderella of home. In terms of just doing everything, washing, cooking, cleaning for my mother, my stepfather, my other sisters, I was doing everything Mm -hmm. for them. I couldn't talk to anybody. She, She warned me not to talk to any girl in the community because all of them have bad influence and... Because I was very rebellious too, I spoke to these girls that she didn't want me to speak to because I just wanted her to say, all right, go back and live with your father. Because I was getting, I was being abused physically and emotionally by my mother. They would laugh at me because I am black. (laughs) My other sisters are clear skinned. And my mother would laugh at me because I'm black. And they would say, oh, you are the ugliest one for your mother. Or people would come and say, say to my mother, is this your daughter? And she would say, yes, sir, you know. And and then the, the, the adults, we should know better. With, but she, she doesn't look like the other girls. The other girls are, are so um, light-skinned and she's black. And and they were taught these things to my face. It's not like anything was being said behind my back. I, I was privy to all of this in my face. Mm. And so I was constantly told that I'm black and ugly and big furry than... What lesson, you know, just all the things that you can think of that is bad. Mm. Um, and so after some time, because I'm doing this time, I was still coming into Kingston to collect lunch money from my father. Right. And I remember one time I, my, my mother said to me, if him don't give you any money, don't come back. That was news to my ears because I didn't want to be there anyway. And as bad luck would have it, when I came to my dad, he didn't have any money to give me because he was out of work because he had injured his back and he was not working. So he didn't have any money to give me. And I said to him, my mother said that I can't come back if you don't give me any money. And he said to me, well, I don't have any to give you. so mm-hmm. and, and you can't stay here because of my wife oh, man, and man. I have another friend who came up from Clarendon. whose her grandmother told her the same thing misery loves company and she was mm. crying because she could not go back she was like I think a year older than I was and we decided that we were going to live on our own <laughs> but where and how but where? we didn't know how we were gonna do it. And we were just there sitting on the bridge, um, in our community and a guy came up to us and you know, it's just somebody who lived right in front of where my dad lives. So he was he was a familiar person. And okay. he said, he said to us like, you know, I have a friend that, you know, you guys can go. He has a big house and stuff you can go and it wouldn't be an issue. And we decided, all right, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do it on our own. We got to the friend's house. It was a big house in, in Kingston. You know, there were other people who was living on um in the yard. It was Like I said, it was a big house. So persons rented separate rooms and so on. And we were living in the front. We were there for about a week or two before his girlfriend found out that we were there. And told him on no uncertain terms that we had to go. Because okay. I looking back now, I realized that he liked my other friend and was having sexual relations with my other friend. I think that his girlfriend kind of picked up on that too. And, you know, oh, she wasn't cool. happy. Right. So he told right. us that we, could, we, we couldn't we could stay there. But we, I think we stayed there for a couple more days until she got really upset. And we we had to go. But what troubles me about that situation is that here we were, two young girls. Yes. Um, 14, 15 or 15 and 16, whatever age. But it wasn't about that age. It's and, clear
1: that you were teenagers.
2: Yes yes and nobody said anything nobody did and nobody asked us you know why are you here why are you guys living with this man um why because living with him no it wasn't that we were just living there you know his other friends came and they knew that we were you know runaways and they would have their way with us we would have to have sex in order to get something to eat and all of that and nobody said anything Nobody, um, none of the tenants said anything. None of the neighbors said anything. And persons knew that we were there. Right. You know, She's this reminds sure. me of of um all the
1: many cases that we have seen of missing girls. You know, sometimes yeah. when we see cases of girls gone missing, this this is this is what has happened. Maybe they've run, they've run away and mm-hmm. gotten themselves in some very bad situations.
2: And um, most of them are afraid to go home because. You know, what will happen to them? Because this wasn't the first time that I was running away. When I lived with my mom, I ran away because she had asked me to, to um, no, she had sent me to the pipe in the community to get some water. And oh. there was this guy in the community who had the car. And I was I was carrying this big bottle on my head and it was uphill. And I remember him saying to me, um, let me carry the bottle for you, but I'll carry it halfway because he knew all my how terrible my mother was and he didn't want my mother to see him in the water for me so when I came back with the water my mother was saying oh you, you come back quick man you can do another trip and I'm like okay so I did the other, the other trip when I was going because the guy was not at his house so when I was going I saw him with his goat and I, I stopped just to say to him, I'm going for more water again. Can you please just come and help me to carry it up halfway like you did? And he said, "Fine, go full the jug. I'll start to go and then I'll come." When I was talking to him, my stepfather passed us. My stepfather passed. He didn't say, he didn't say even or anything. He just passed and didn't say anything. Mm. And I remember when I when I went back after he did everything, carried water halfway and thing, and I went back. My mother was upset. Remember now, this was a woman that told me I came back quickly, so. So she sent me to do another trip. She was saying, You take long for come. Oh, you take so long for come this time and I mean it was even quicker than the first trip. But it was because my stepfather told her that she that he saw me talking to this guy and she yes. beat me mercilessly. Let me tell you, I got some licks. My mother was also nine months pregnant. I never forgot that meeting. She beat me. My it was after an election. So my my stepdad worked as a, as a as a police officer during the election, and he still had the police button that they used. Oh, the button that they used, and yes. my mother used that button to give me some licks. Let me tell you all over my body. Oh, wow. She was just she was just hitting me, calling me all sorts of names, telling me that I'm a whore telling me that and up to this point, I was not having sex with anybody. I was just being beaten. And I remember she beat me so bad. And, I, and that was it for that day. That was a Friday. The mm. Saturday, I would now go to the river to wash clothes, wash, do the laundry. And I would wash everybody. I wash my mommy, my stepfather, everybody. And I came home, hung out the clothes and everything. And I was now um, resting. And my stepfather went inside and saw one of his pants behind the door and said to my mother, Always that I went to the river to wash and didn't wash his pants. Honestly, I did not see the pants because it was not among the dirty stuff. My stepfather normally wears clothes three, four, five, six, seven times and hang hung them up. Because it's a jeans pants. You know, we don't normally wash jeans pants often. And to be honest, okay. I didn't see it. And my mother got upset because he was now saying that how comes in, in clothes, in dirty clothes, no wash and all of that. And my mother did not say to him, oh, it was an oversight or something like that. Right, it's just one jeans pants. Let me wash it or something. My mother started to curse me. And she said, I deliberately left the pants because my stepfather told her that I was talking to the guy yesterday. And she said to me, I am going to the store to buy some food. And the pants better wash and dry by the time we come back. <laughs> and I said to her, that is impossible. Even if I wash the pants, it's not going dry. Who tell me? So started again. The leak okay. started again. This time I felt I couldn't get up. And she just kicked me out. Because the back door is very, very high. Because we live on a hill. So she kicked me out, of, out through the back door. Kicked me out through the back door and I just dropped like a big breadfruit through the back door. I couldn't move and I decided like, like that I ain't gonna take this no longer. I ain't gonna take this.
0: Right. And as soon
2: as she left what I must all the energy and all the strength that I could and I ran away. I went to one of my friends' house. When I got there and I think I sat in her chair and when I got up she said but oh, you're bleeding. The beatings that I got caused me to have um my mental came immediately, you know. And she, I ran away. I just ran away, and I was hiding there. And I think my friend eventually told her that um, I was there. And she got the police, and she she cried. And I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to hit her again. And she cried. Two weeks after the whole abuse started. So, you know, sometimes these girls are afraid to go home because they know they know what they'll go back home to. Exactly. And that time when you when you ran when you ran
1: off with your friend. When you had come into into Kingston to visit your dad, you weren't very excited
2: to go back to St. Mary anyway. No, 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 go no, no, back no. to your mom. No, yeah, it wasn't excited at all because the abuse that I was getting at home, you know, anything or any place was better than that. And uh, so after we left the house, after his girlfriend told him that we couldn't stay there, we left. Didn't right. know what we were going to do, but because I went to school in the ghetto, you know. Um, I had a friend who was still living there. So we took up whatever little clothes we had and I went to her, t- told her what was happening. She said that we could stay there during the days when her dad mm. was at work, but didn't know how it would go for the night. I told her that we were fine during the days. It's in the night that, w- that I was worried about. So she said, um, we could come by, her father normally gets home at about seven o'clock. Um, so we could come by from five o'clock, um, right. take a outside and then we would have to go under the bed um and stay there and be quiet um not to you know so that her dad wasn't aware that happened for about um three or four nights straight you know we went there and thing, but her dad um eventually found i think somebody told him that we were there or whatever the case was and he found out and the night he said to us that listen you can stay for the night but don't come back. So we were you now basically homeless. Didn't have anywhere to go. Didn't have anybody. Didn't have any food. Didn't have any money. And my friend was sick. She has um she's very asthmatic. And so on top of everything, I had that on my shoulders as well because like she was severely asthmatic. And he uh, was just hard. You were you now you know, I I was the braver of of the two of us. I would walk up to persons and beg food, and um ask persons if we could sleep in on their veranda. I remember one, at one point we, I asked a man if we could sleep at, at, on his errand and he said yes. Um, and I told him, we, we're not going to have sex. This is not a trade-off. We just want somewhere to sleep. And he was like, okay, but during the night, I remember when I walked in, there was a scissors on the table and there was, a, I think, a, 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 a pen. And I gave my friend the pen and I took the scissors. Um, and I said, listen, if he tried anything, because I was just tired of people touching and feeling on me anyways. Mm, and uh, mm. in the middle of the night, lo and behold, he wanted to have sex. And I was like, listen, man, I told you. And when he saw how serious I was, he was like, all right, but that's the lighter man and then we'll go and in the business. So it was mm. that sort of a life. But not everybody understood that and not everybody respected that. The same he, guy that brought us to the house, we, we got in touch with him again and he took us to another place. I don't even remember what that place was or even want to even remember. It was, it was like we like living in a shed.
1: So Delmarine, up to this point, we've heard about um, basically the details of, of your, your upbringing, your childhood, growing up in St. Mary with your grandmother and um, the different ways that you were victimized, even there between that community and at your mom's house. And then we we, we heard you talk about... When you would come to Kingston to, sp- to spend time with your father, who eventually had you living with him and his wife, and then we heard about just what your your high school experience was like, even up to this point now where you were um, basically left to fend for yourself. Father don- didn't want you at, at the house with his wife, and your mom also had basically threatened that. You should not come back home unless your father sent you back with some money. So now here you are with your friend, basically just trying to fight to stay stay alive, fighting for survival, looking for places to live. I can hardly believe that this is what one person experienced. And and we haven't even gotten into so much more of, of all of what you have gone through. This is just up to your teenage years. It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. But I want to encourage listeners to, to continue to listen to this story because this is just this is just a part of what your journey has been like. So we're gonna close out this this section um, and encourage persons to listen to the second part.
0: You just heard part one of Delmarine Williams' story of survival from abuse of all kinds as a child. Listen to part two to hear how her life's challenges continue to unfold into adulthood and how she overcame.